Welcome to episode 9 of the Scrum Dynamics podcast. Our mission on this podcast is to help Microsoft customers and partners implement Dynamics 365 successfully by using the Scrum framework. My name is Neil Benson. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you listening. Dermot Ryan, who's my usual co-host, is back in Ireland at the moment. The Irish rugby team toured Australia recently and won the Lansdowne Trophy by beating Australia in a three-game test series that had a nail-biting finale. I think Dermot's come to carry the trophy back to Ireland. Instead, I'm joined in this episode by Nick Dolman, who's been managing Dynamics CRM and 365 projects for nearly 15 years. Nick's going to share his recent experiences of applying Scrum to one of his Dynamics 365 projects. I think what's fascinating about Nick's story is that he got started in Scrum without any formal classroom training or certifications. His team didn't have an experienced Scrum master for their first project. Instead, Nick immersed himself in the framework and led the charge. He shares lots of valuable tips on getting started that I'm sure you'll find useful. But just before we start the interview, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, the Dynamics 365 User Group. The D365 User Group is the community of Microsoft customers that runs local chapter meetings, online special interest groups and forums, online education and flagship conferences every year. Coming up soon is the Virtual Summer Camp, an online conference from the 7th to 9th of August covering customer service, project service and field service. Then in October, there's the D365 UG Summit in Phoenix, Arizona from 15th to 18th of October, which has got over 180 sessions devoted to customer engagement this year. Don't miss out on that one. Visit d365ug.com for more info and check out the show notes for links to the two conferences. Let's roll the interview with Nick Dolman. Everybody, I'd like to introduce Nick Dolman to the Scrum Dynamics show. Um, Nick's a good friend of mine from the Microsoft MVP program. Um, He's a consultant based in Ottawa in Canada. Nick, why don't you go and introduce yourself to the audience and let them know a little bit about your background. Well, thanks, Neil, for having me. Um, My name's Nick Dolman. I'm a Microsoft Business Solutions MVP. I just got awarded for the the second time uh, this past weekend, which is uh, pretty exciting. Um, Congratulations. Oh, thanks. And you as well, Neil. Um, yeah, I'm still in. They haven't kicked me out yet. Yeah, yeah. so uh, pretty exciting, pretty exciting times. I think there was a, definitely a little bit of an adjustment, but not so much in the business solutions group, uh, our group anyway, for CRM. But um, and in terms of yeah, CRM, I've been working with uh, Microsoft CRM since version one beta um, in 2003. Wow. So I've been, uh, been been working with this product and seen the full evolution. Worked with every version. And, and uh, pretty excited to, to be working on version 9 right now and all the exciting stuff with the CDS and Power Apps and um, all the other fun stuff that comes with it. And it's an exciting time to be in Dynamics. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, I remember back in the old days, I got started around version 3. And you could, you could know the whole platform back then. You could feel like you knew just about every feature. Today, there are definitely parts, large parts of the application suite that I know a little bit about. Um, and some I know nothing at all about. So it's become a huge platform these days. And uh, it's really, that's really exciting. It gives you know, lots of opportunity for people to specialize and go real deep in, in areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, you know, I know kind of the core stuff. I've done a lot of work with portals. Um, I've been playing with Canvas apps lately and just having a, you know, a lot of fun with that. But, you, you know, I can spell field service, but that's about as far as I can go with that. Oh, good. I, I noticed a little trend in, in Canada you had Pierre Trudeau and Justin Trudeau, Gilles Villeneuve and Jacques Villeneuve. So is it true that you're also the famous Canadian CRM consultant? Uh, no, I'm not actually. <laughs> um, 
and and I you know my dad uh, my dad is a farmer or well he's a retired farmer now so he's a gardener but um, uh, and uh, he could barely turn on a computer so and I'm also pretty sure he won't be listening to this podcast but you know I do, do want to shout out to my dad he's uh, he's going to be 88 years old this year and still going strong that's great um, so do you want to describe some of the the coolest projects you've worked on recently Nick. Uh, for sure, yeah. So I uh, worked a, um, on a, kind of on a large project right now that's uh, going live in the fall. Um, it's for a, an organization that does a lot of um, kind of summer camps and, and uh, kind of things like that. And they're replacing a system, uh, I'm trying to think the name of the system now, I'm not sure, but it was an online system that was being effect- effectively uh, deprecated and pulled out of support. So they realized they needed a, a system to replace it. And they decided to look at a bunch of different platforms and opted with Microsoft and used basically CRM or what we would now call customer engagement as the core and to do a lot of this registration um, and camp management and student management, things like that. So again, not following your traditional sales service marketing kind of tracks, but um, a true kind of XRM solution. And the, the power of that is because it will be a lot of data, a lot of processing. We were able to incorporate doing a lot of Azure functions, um, uh, Azure service bus, things like that to kind of handle a lot of the heavy lifting. And that's the cool thing about this platform. We can, you know, uh, do do a, a lot of neat stuff. Um, just trying to think some of the other projects uh, basically, you know, built a portal for certification for a, an industry that's uh, very heavily in the mining industry. And. Um, that kind of thing. Um, a project I worked on a few years ago that was pretty cool was a, a an auction house that auctioned uh, classic cars, and they you they basically we used a CRM to replace an access database. Um, so you know all the you know and these were these were high end cars. Um, you know nothing like going to a car auction and seeing like a '69 Pontiac GTO and going oh, for yeah, six hundred and six hundred and ninety thousand um, dollars. So that was, again, pretty interesting, you know, pretty interesting project. I've worked on kind of all sorts of projects around the world. Um, we did a project down in the Caribbean for a telecommunications company in a call center there, 24 by 7. Um, and two little small ones were four or five people just running a membership organization. Um, it just goes to show, again, the power of the platform and all these uh, apps that can solve a lot of business problems. Yeah, I I, um, I love deploying dynamics into those non-traditional scenarios where you don't quite know how the how the platform is going to work, but um, it's it's adaptable and flexible and extensible, and, and somehow you can solve lots of different challenges with it. I've done um, uh, cancer clinics, um, the Academy Awards um, run on dynamics. Uh, I've done property companies, universities. It's awesome trying to uh, work with lots of different people in lots of different industries to see what you can do with the platform. Absolutely. And you get a lot of exposure to uh, industries and businesses that you, d- you didn't even know existed. Um, yeah. I did a project for a reinsurance company. I didn't even know reinsurance existed. So when you buy insurance, well, the insurance company actually also gets a policy. So if something like a Hurricane Katrina hits, um, the insurance company is able to pay out all of their policies because they have insurance. Um, and, you know, again, using CRM to manage some of the workflow in some of those organizations as well. So again, you get exposure to things that you like never even knew existed. How did you get started with Dynamics back in 2003? Were you a developer in the first place or a business consultant? Or, uh, um, I was actually, 
uh, my ba- well, my education is in electronics engineering. Um, so I, I basically, um, in school put uh, computers together from the chip up, uh, we did our, our last year lab was here's a mic, here was the six, the Motorola 68,000 microprocessor, yeah. build a computer with so much of dynamic RAM, static RAM, serial ports, parallel ports, like design all the way up. So, um, including the kind of the boot level operating system written in assembler, um, that was interesting that was brutally hard because you know at least in software you can change a line of code and see if it works or not there if you make a mistake you have to rewire wrap um you know spend a couple hours rewiring your circuit board or you know erasing your eprom and things like that so i uh i decided upon graduation that i much prefer the software end of things so I was a developer. I developed some databases around like a material safety data sheet uh, database and a few other things. Um, kind of transitioned to a system administrator where I began working with this product called Great Plains. I'd never heard of it, but yeah. I was young and, young and full of uh, energy. I said, oh, I'll figure this out. I'll learn it. So uh, kind of learned the ins and outs, became a dexterity programmer. And then in around 2000, 2001, Great Plains got into a partnership with Siebel. And I'm not sure, probably some listeners might remember this, the, the Great Plains front office, which is really mid-market Siebel. Uh, Siebel was a CRM system, oh, kind of late 90s. I'm not sure if you ever encountered it in your travels, Neil. Um, oh, yeah. Was, so Tom, Tom Siebel was, was you know, the grandfather of enterprise CRM back then. Yeah, exactly. So I began to dabble and play with this and like, holy cow, like, it took you 14 steps just to create a field on a form and you had to go through a whole publishing and roll it out to all the workstations. And it was, it was painful. So I could see how user adoption was a real um, struggle then. And then a buddy of mine, uh, Kurt Miller, um, uh, I haven't talked to in a few, well, I talked about a year ago, a good friend of mine, he dropped these, he was a, uh, somehow got on this uh, partner program and dropped these disks on my desk. And I still have them actually. They were Microsoft Business Solutions CRM version 1B, B for beta. You still so, got them? Those could be worth a fortune. I, oh, probably huge amount of money. You know, you <laughs> retire off those. So uh, I, I spun up, a, I think, a, a Windows NT, or no, a Windows 2000 server image in, <laughs> on <laughs> an old VMware and installed them and got them all kind of going and got the crystal reports engine going that was on there and, you know, all the objects that added to active directory and everything and kind of came up with this colorful screen that had sales and service. You could create, I think, account and contact and cases and a few other things. Um, you couldn't really, yeah, you could add fields. You couldn't add any entities. You couldn't add relationships. You could, um, you could do JavaScript off of dropdown fields only. Right. And that was, uh, that was about it. Um, and I always like to tell people it was a great CRM system. It just didn't, was missing 75% of the features that it needed. So well, that uh, made the certification exams a little bit easier. Uh, yes. <laughs> those, <laughs> those days, those days you could do the, the certifications uh, online um, without the whole, um, uh, scrutiny of the your webcam and making sure yeah. your room is clean and things like that. Like it was pretty much on the honor system. So I, I am certified in, in version I think one dot two um, of, of those those exams. But uh, they were not at a testing center at those days. It was kind of logged into I think you know partner source and you know clicked on the link and you could write the exam. And if you had a bunch of buddies sitting behind you helping you out, um, 
you know, that was on your conscience at that time. Uh, if you could find a bunch of buddies who knew CRM 1.2, you were doing well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. So we're, we're here to talk about Scrum primarily. And um, yeah, it's really interesting to hear your background with CRM. I didn't realize you'd been involved right from the, the 1.0 beta. Um, so I'd love to hear how you've used Scrum in some of your projects, maybe some of your background, how you transitioned from a more traditional methodology towards a more agile methodology as well. Well, for sure. Now, for me, Scrum's still a fairly new, I don't say a new phenomenon, but it's a new to the, the dynamics world. So last year, we, we had a pretty large project where we're doing the requirements gathering. We ended up like with a thousand page requirements document. So I, I'm, I'm just, I know we're, you know, some of, we're breaking some of the Scrum rules and what I'm going to describe here, but um <laughs> this is sort of our experience and then hopefully some other uh, folks out there that are looking at large projects as well can kind of, you know, maybe learn from some of that as well. I hope you can hear me shaking my head at you. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Well, this is, this is what we do, right? You learn by other people's mistakes. So, yeah. um, so and I don't even think it was a mistake. I, uh, I was looking at that going, wow, like in traditionally, um, and you know, uh, we did a lot of smaller project, like, you know, small to mid, mid, mid-market type projects where we can kind of do that waterfall effect like you know we need to build out this and that and this needs to happen in sequence and the data migration all this other stuff and the more as these projects kind of got bigger and bigger the harder it is to kind of manage the waterfall and then the stress level increases and then you're kind of faced with these deadlines and you got developers working around the clock to beat those deadlines and it was just you know, it was very much like when you see people go on and pitch on Dragon's Den or Shark Tank, you know, there's got to be a better way um, to do this work. So I started kind of looking around and look at the Scrum Agile, which, you know, in, I I always, you know, hate to say it, but I've kind of dismissed because a lot of the CRM projects where we go into, it's, we're not creating, you know, a product where we, you know, can do these increments. This is a client, they have a very clear end in mind. So it was kind of an all-in-one package, but um, again, you get into this waterfall situation in that. And I realized, I say, we need to do something a little bit cleaner. Let's break it down a little bit. We do have these requirements um, documented. So how can we kind of begin to break this up? So I went on Pluralsight and um, I took a, you know, I, I took a course on there. It was a, a couple of good Scrum courses and it really kind of laid out more in a traditional kind of scrum software development life cycle and i was like okay well, can i apply this to dynamics 365 and then um, i stumbled upon your your web series neil and that was like well shoot if, if an mvp can do it um obviously <laughs> this is the right way to go so i uh, i kind of went through that course as well and it was really excellent i mean it just just you know you get the facts really quick it's it's very easy to digest so um, you know, complete shameless plug, you know, and guys, Neil did not set me up to say this, but if you haven't looked at this course, definitely check it out. Um, you'd be remiss not to, and I believe you'll give a, you'll give a discount code at the end usually, right, Neil? So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Let's, let's just get a discount. Yeah. No excuse not to. So I looked at that and then I kind of realized, oh, this, this relates to dynamic CRM projects. So I thought, okay, for this next project, we're going into the, you know, more of the kind of build development phase. We need to adapt some of all these principles. So I took a lot of what I learned from the, the Pluralsight course, what I learned from your course, Neil, I put together a PowerPoint and then we had all the dev developers in the room. Um, and I kind of went through, I said, okay, guys, um, and I have my boss as well. I said, here's how I propose we actually go through and build out this system. 
and it kind of went through the process of the roles, um, you know, the whole, the, the, the process of beginning to just break down the, the work items, uh, the product backlog and how to make that manageable. And then what the developers also seem to like too, is the whole pokerization, um, because if you ask any developer, can you give me an estimate of how long it's going to take? They all hate it. It's like, you know, yeah. they'll say oh, a, a day. And then of course you think, okay, well, I'm going to quote two days then because, you know, and they're already in their head kind of like, oh, okay, it was, I should have said, you know, they're thinking half a day. So you know how that kind of goes, right? But even then they're yeah. not comfortable with it. And they're like, well, can we, can we build it first and then tell you how long it's going to take? <laughs> So we went through and I kind of went to the, the Fibonacci sequence with them and how that works. And, you know, again, making it relatable to other things they put together, especially I think as with Dynamics 365, it's like you, you've written, if you've written one plugin, you have a good gut feeling of how long based on requirements, another gut, uh, another plugin would take or putting together forms and views and things like that. So, um, and then JavaScript web resources and the whole bit. So they were a lot more comfortable providing estimates that way so we got into that you know we did a bit of a, a game with that and you know we went into that cycle where we would um you know kind of take some a, a, a chunk of the product requirements on a two-week sprint and we would go through what we call our pokerization like the sprint review process and everybody would be able to give their inputs um and with that and then we also had one person on our team um, become like the product owner because she was very familiar with the content and things like Good. that. We didn't really incorporate our clients so much into this. Um, and that's something we might kind of consider for the future. Um, I acted as scrum master. So really my job was just to, you know, re remove the impediments. Um, and then we, we kind of went through and we kind of, you know, we went through our first sprint, had everybody involved. Um, we now the unique thing to our team, and I know this is not the best practice, but it is sort of the, you know, the reality is we are a remote team so it's very rare we get everybody in the same room everybody works from home so what we ended up doing there is we used um i think webex or something like that so i used a vsts so all our backlog items were put up on vsts we actually displayed that on the webex and that's what we followed we so the equivalent of standing around the product backlog board we yep. were all staring at the you know the product backlog um and then the other thing we did a little bit differently as well, and again, we might kind of change this is instead of having, you know, a regular a product backlog, we did assign names to them more to kind of balance out the resource allocation a little bit, because at the end of the day, you know, you're still, a, you're still accountants involved. Um, but again, I think probably going forward, once we got more comfortable with it, we're kind of good more of, you know, pick the next uh, item off the stack and kind of work on that. Yeah, and good. it was good. We, we need some... We made some modifications to VSTS as well. So, you know, they could, as you know, virtually drag the cards over to other columns um, for, you know, rather, you know, for review or for, for other feedback. And sometimes things got brought back. And then every morning at uh, 10 a.m. And we did this because um, in Canada, we we're, we have five time zones here in Canada. Yeah. Um, we had one, one team member. Uh, yeah, so we, we had one team member um, more to the west, so to accommodate him, so he didn't have to get up at six a.m. Um, we had our we had our, uh, our scrum call every day at ten, and you know, kind of laid down the law. These are time boxed. Um, you have you know, you may have two minutes, you may not, depending. And again, it's like 
you know, very, you know, what have you been working on? What are you working on today? What are your impediments? And, um, you know, that, that was something I had to keep reiterating, um, probably every so often because people would begin to get into that comfort level of this is a status meeting. And I kept, you know, till it was blue in the face sometimes like, this is not a status meeting. This is a scrum. This is, you know, let's, let's kind of collaborate, know what we're working on. And then if there's sort of impediments and like the typical impediments, I'm sure all Microsoft partners run into, you know, oh, we have a support issue from another client that cropped up. Um, so, you know, again, it's like, okay, how, you know, I talked to the other project managers a way we can get someone else on that because this person has been allocated to this project or, you know, do we begin to ship things around and things like that? So that was part of, you know, my job as a scrum master is kind of removing these, you know, these typical Microsoft partner type impediments that I'm sure any of the make their Microsoft partners listening out there gets. Um, or sometimes it was, you know, development environments or, you know, we need to have, you know, a portal license or things like that. So again, working with the project manager and with the client, we try to make those things, try to be as proactive as possible. Um, and then we'd have the scrum, you know, the scrum meetings of five days a week. Again, in our sprint reviews, we'd have on Wednesdays. Um, and it's kind of the sprint retrospective. We did a little bit of that. I think that's something we probably could have done better. We will do better in the future. I was the same in my and, early, um, early projects as well. That was, uh, for me, that was one of the hardest meetings to look back at our process at the end of every sprint. It felt, um, it felt a little bit self-indulgent in my first project to do that kind of sprint <laughs> review, but now I, I get a lot more benefit out of it. And, um, it's a really good opportunity to keep improving the team's, um, productivity, um, and ways of working so that everybody's happier. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me being a little bit kind of a perfectionist as well and working with other perfectionists is realize they'll say, guys, we're not going to get right. It's not going to be absolutely perfect, like unicorns and, and sunshine. Let's work with the process. And overall, I think it worked out really well. Um, you know, there was definitely a few things that would, you know, kind of come up here and there that we kind of roll with and adjust. But for the most part, it was great. And then, you know, talking to some of the other devs and I said, well, what do you think of this, you know, this scrum methodology we're following? And what do you think? And a lot of devs were like, I absolutely love it because they said it holds, there's a, a certain level of accountability. Now these devs, my team of devs are great. Like they're going to do their work. They're going to, you know, their heads are down. They love the work they do. But just the fact that some of them said, the fact I know that there is a, a scrum call at 10 a.m. tomorrow, I don't want to say that I'm working on the same item still. So <laughs> yeah. that was a bit of an incentive to, to keep things moving along. Um, and then it also, because we do work remote, it also instilled a bit of um, camaraderie that we don't always get working remotely because, you know, sometimes, you know, you think you're a dev, you're working away days and days on a project and you're not really hearing much from anybody. The fact that we all kind of were tuned into each other every day, we could, you know, help each other out with some of our struggles. And I think it really helped the team, especially working in a remote situation. Yeah, I've, um, I've, I've worked on a couple of remote scum teams. I definitely prefer working co-located, but that's not always possible. Um, yeah, we, we, we jump together on, on a Skype call every day and you do get that sense of, um, uh, not, not really pressure, but, you know, a little um, saving face. You know, I want to show I've made some progress and, and see what others have been up to and making sure that we're, we're all you know, working towards the sprint goal. So it was good. Um, I think Scrum can work well for remote teams if, if you have to. Yeah. And yeah, I would say that a little responsibility doesn't hurt anyone, I think, <laughs> to get stuff done. 
Um, so you mentioned um, planning poker as your estimation technique. Were, were there any other technical practices that are not strictly part of Scrum that you brought into your, your Scrum project that you find really beneficial? Were you using user stories to describe your requirements or doing any pair programming or test-driven development, those kind of things? Uh, no. No, we should have. I, well, on pair programming, uh, that, that'd be something I would definitely consider more in the future. We did, obviously... During the Scrum meeting, somebody would say, "Hey, I'm 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 struggling with this particular aspect of code," and then one of the other devs would usually, you know, volunteer very quickly. Said, "Hey, well, how about we we get together after the call and screen share, and we'll work through it." So, um, I think that was really important too. Where sometimes you wouldn't always get that um, if you didn't have that Scrum call. If you sort of waited to your your typical project status call every two weeks or something, yeah. someone could be spinning their wheels for days. Well, now it's like. And I was, you know, I was very clear with the team too. I said, if you run it, if you spin your wheels, don't be afraid. Like we've all been there. Um, let's, uh, let's, you know, let's work together on this and go through some of that stuff. So that, you know, that was really good in terms of the, the re- we had the, I guess the benefit of, we did have the requirements defined. Um, um, the lady that did it, uh, she <laughs> is very detailed in those requirements. So we actually uploaded all of those into uh VSTS um, as well. So we had all that information there. And like I said, I modified VSTS uh, to adapt to CRM projects. So we've had things like tagged by entity, um, also identified whether it's this is, is this entity configuration? Is this a plugin? Is this JavaScript or web resource? Is this an Azure function? Is this a portal thing? Um, so that way, when it comes sort of to, you know, breakdown and searching for things, hey, what code has touched the account? We can do a search and see all the product backlog items that are related to the account. And then, of course, by uploading our source code um, directly to a VSTS as well, we have those you know links as well to those items. So we have kind of that full um, traceability as well, um, which is really great that VSTS can kind of accommodate that. Yeah. Um, it... Uh, it, you know, that way it really helps. And then also like the dashboards and BSTS, like my, the project manager, um, oh, she was just over the moon at being able to quickly see, you know, the progress and how many items were done in a day and, you know, all these little charts and burn down charts and things you could do on the dashboard just helps. Like, you know, I think we've all, you know, we've all worked for those project managers that we get sick of because they're badgering us. Like, what's the status of this? What's the yeah. status of that? And where's this at? Like, you know, at least now we could say, um, uh, you know, it's all in VSTS, uh, check it out. You know, the, my notes should be there. Um, you know, and again, there's a bit of, a bit of discipline around the, you know, making sure people's, you know, notes were updated because we also, you know, are going to use uh, that for some of the technical documentation. Like, not only that the plugin was built, but what was the strategy around building that plugin? Was it triggering on um, what fields is it updating? That kind of stuff. And, you know, it's not perfect, but at least we have a little bit more information that we might have typically had in the past if we were just going off like a project plan out of project or even Excel in some cases. Yeah, I, I love that transparency. Like you said, your, your project manager or any other stakeholder who's got access to VSTS can go in and check out the status of something. It does encourage the team to keep everything up to date as well, which is, which is great. And, and the traceability of being able to go from code back to the original requirement, you know, for somebody else to come into the project later on, maybe they have to do a, you know, support a bug or something or fix a bug. 
and and they can see not only what was done, but perhaps be able to tell why it was done. And that's something that never really gets documented. Um, so yeah, it's, it's perfect to have that kind of um, traceability back there as well. Yeah, for sure. Good. Um, any any advice you'd give for for Dynamics? 365 or CRM consultants considering Scrum, you know, how should they get started? You've had you know, one major project of experience. You've, you've very generously shared how you got started. What advice would you give to others in a similar position as to where you were maybe a year or two ago? Uh, I would probably, uh, you know, obviously take, take uh, Neil Benson's uh, customer <laughs> uh, Scrum course. That's... <laughs> Highly advised. I'm going to have to edit that out later. <laughs> but no, I would say, uh, you know, at least do it open. Like there's a lot of, there is, there is good learning material out there. Like I said, I, there was a course on Pluralsight too. There, the learning now is very digestible and things like that. Like even if, depending on what your learning style is, I would recommend doing a bit of read up. You don't need to be an expert. Like I don't have my scrum certification yet. It is something on my to-do list, but it was enough to, you know, let's get the basic, you can get the basics, you can get the flow down and the roles are important to too. And then, you know, probably I would say start on a smaller project than what we did. Right. Um, you know, start small, kind of learn your lessons there and don't be afraid to make, you know, you're going to make mistakes. It's not going to be perfect. So that's why, you know, after that first sprint, that, uh, that sprint retrospective is probably very important to see what's working well, what doesn't. Um, the, the other thing we ran into are, you know, even with the pokerization um, and putting values against these work items, we did find that the, the, the original estimates on some things were uh, a little, maybe a little low on certain things. Maybe we've got a little optimistic, so we kind of adjusted with that. Um, but again, you could begin to, you know, over time, you begin to get into a cadence where, okay, this is what our burn down rate is. And this is what we need to, you know, allocate for the for the sprint as opposed to, you know, more in terms of what the effort is versus what the number of items are. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you realize they call consulting practices, you know, they call them practices for a reason. You gotta keep practicing. <laughs> and, you know, Scrum Scrum is one of those things as well. I think as you practice, you get better at it. Um, you know, going looking at future projects, you know, definitely a lot more, a lot more confident. Um and uh, you know a lot more, a lot more con- you know comfort comfortable with it. But you know, I think you very quickly. What I like about it too, very quickly, you can see some benefits in terms of you know, as opposed to looking at you know ten weeks worth of work, kind of staring at you in the face, where you're only looking at two weeks worth of work, and you know you're talking about it every day. So it becomes very um, this way. It's it's taking like any large project and, you know, bringing it into manageable chunks and gives you a bit of a peace of mind there too. And then after two weeks, you, you've got something to show for it and you're ready to bring, you know, start the next two weeks. So I would just, you know, my advice to others is like, you know, give it a shot, um, you know, do your homework. But uh, I think, you know, this is just going to make, you know, implementing dynamic CRM. It's, it's, it's fun, but it is, it is challenging. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you got to look out for. So, you know, um, the, this is a this is an area that Microsoft really I don't want to say has ignored, but they sort of leave it up to the partners and the customers to implement their software. So I think finally that you know this is evolving into a you know a methodology that I think is very viable um, for for the success of Dynamics projects. Yeah, great. Well, Nick, thanks very much for for very generously sharing your experience. If people uh, in the in the podcast land want to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way to get in touch? 
Yeah, definitely LinkedIn. Um, you can definitely do a search of my name and you'll, you'll find me. Um, or uh, my Twitter handle is, I did is at ReadyXRM. Um, that's, that's my Twitter name. Uh, Ready, if those of you who started, did computers, and as I did as a teenager on the Commodore 64, yeah. if you remember, as soon as you turn it on, you get Ready in the flashing sign. So that's sort of my starting computers. And of course, XRM is what I've been doing for the past 15 years. So that's why I'm Ready XRM. Uh, great. Um, are you going to be at any of the conferences coming up the rest of this year? Yeah, I hope to be at the CRMUG Summit in Phoenix. Um, I actually have three speaking gigs lined up there. Um, I, I'm not going to be talking about Scrum because I hear there's another superstar Scrum speaker coming. Um, rumors. Uh, rumors. I, I, haven't, I haven't got my ticket yet. I, hope, I still hope to make it. I've got a couple of weeks vacation in California just before. So I'm going to have to convince my wife. Either she's going to have to stay another couple of weeks in the U.S. or we're go I'm going to have to come back and then fly back over to the States again. So... Hoping, hoping to see it there, Nick. Well, you just, just say, I'm, I'm heading out for milk. That's all you need to say. <laughs> and, uh, pop over to Phoenix. So, yeah, doing a, a session on um, uh, SSRS and a couple portal sessions as well. So, uh, yeah, people are in the, you know, come check that out. And I'll probably be uh, hanging around the uh, the medics booth as well because that's, that's always a lot of fun. I learn a lot at the medics booth. Um, people come up and ask, you know, basically ask your, CR, ask your hardest CRM questions and, Try to make some MVPs uncomfortable trying to answer it, and uh, yeah, I always cool. get I always get stumped. Um, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> um, I always try to make sure Gustav or or you or somebody much more expert is there to help back me up. Oh yeah, well Jerry, Jerry Weinstock's my guy. He uh, seems yeah. to know everything, so yeah, uh, yeah, it's good to have that backup behind you in case you can't answer something. Yeah, good. Um, Nick, thanks very much. Appreciate it. No problem, Neil. Thank you. Our mission is to have every Microsoft Dynamics 365 project succeed using Scrum. If you'd like to learn more about Scrum and become a certified professional Scrum Master, visit crm.audio slash scrumdynamics to get discounted access to the introduction to Scrum from Microsoft Dynamics 365 course. The course features videos, worksheets, quizzes, and a practice assessment for the professional Scrum Master certification exam. It covers the theory of Scrum, its events, roles, and deliverables, as well as lessons learned through Scrum for Dynamics CRM case study projects. CRM Audio podcast listeners can get discounted access by visiting crm.audio slash scrumdynamics.